Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Praise the Lord, church. Tonight, I'd like to first give honor. I give honor to God. My whole life, all that I have, all that I'm able to do, uh, when I look around and see my blessings, I realize that it's all through Him, by Him. Anything I can do, even just the air I'm able to breathe, is because of the strength that He gives me. I give honor to my wife and daughter who are not able to be here tonight because Graceland's still sick. But I give honor to them because they help to make my house a home and they make my life all the more wonderful. Uh, it's, it's my own personal chaos and I just, I've come to love it. I give honor to our pastor and pastor's wife for their faithfulness, for their godly examples. I am so glad to be under their ministry because we are very blessed to have them. They're talented, they're anointed, they're amazing. And I'm going to... I had a thought before I jump into any of this, because uh, you know sometimes when you put something together, whether it's whether you're doing something behind here or not, sometimes you feel good, sometimes you don't. This is one of those times where I just I didn't. I don't know why. I don't know if it just didn't feel like it was clicking or what. But regardless, the way I feel was just meh. Uh, and just a thought hit me, because. Uh, I work out, I go to the gym, and I went yesterday, and I was doing legs, and I was doing it, but I didn't really feel it. It didn't really feel that great. I was just, I don't know why. It wasn't clicking. It just wasn't going with it. I went through, and I did it, and I got home, and I woke up this morning, and looking back, it actually, no matter how I felt about it, it actually was really good. Uh... So I just want to say sometimes the way we feel about the things we do, especially when it comes to what we're doing for God, it it may not feel that great. But like I woke up today and I realized the workout last night actually really was great because I'm feeling it. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's likewise when it comes to works we do for God. You don't have to feel like it's amazing for it to actually be amazing. But if you have your Bibles tonight, or if you want to cheat and look at the screen, uh, I'll be going to read one verse, James 2, 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. My title tonight is, It's Not a Balancing Act. So if you would, just help me pray real quickly here. God, we love you. We give you thanks and praise. God, I pray you to anoint my mind and my lips, God, to minister this word. God, I pray let it go forth through the work that you would have it to do, God. You would touch the hearts, minds, and souls of all those that are listening, God. Do a work like only you can do, God. And Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the praise, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. With Christmas coming up really soon, heard something like five Mondays away like like it's yeah that's what, that's what I thought too was no stop that's but yeah with Christmas coming up 
we all, especially our children or anybody younger, start to think about gifts and, especially if you're a child, Santa. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we all know how Santa works. If we've been good boys and girls, we'll get gifts from Santa. But if we've been bad, we're getting just a lump of coal. St. Nick, he's able to watch us to see if we've been bad or good. He has a naughty or nice list to put our names on, and he checks it twice. And I know that most of us who believed in Santa made an extra effort around this time of year when we were kids to be extra good so we get more gifts. We were hoping that our goodness of the last several weeks or days, depending on how late you wait until Christmas to behave, uh, but we just hope that our goodness leading up to Christmas would outweigh our naughtiness from the rest of the year so that we wouldn't get that lump of coal. But as we grow up, we learn that in reality, it is actually the hard work and love of our parents that produce our gifts. And that trying to be extra good didn't actually do anything except maybe make life easier for our parents for a short while. <laughs> God bless them all. <laughs> it was because we were their children that we got gifts. And even though we messed up, we got in trouble, uh, we were naughty, we were still their kids that they loved, and they gave us gifts because they loved to see how happy it would make us. Santa Claus may not be real, but the thought of having to be good and have enough good works to outweigh our bad works when it comes to standing before the throne of God, that seems to be very real for a lot of Christians. There is a sense of panic, because I've, I've felt it too, the sense of panic when we think of the rapture, when we think of, of dying. You know, not, not just losing our life, but, well, I got, I got to stand before God. Like, have I been good these last two days? Like, have, have I been good enough? Uh, and we're terrified that we haven't been good enough to make it. But God is so good and is so perfect, and our lives are so full of many temptations, emotions, distractions, we fall short of his calling a lot. His calling of perfection and goodness and just trying to strive to be like him. Christian means Christ-like. You know, that's our calling. And how, how often we mess that up. We are very aware of the fact that we don't measure up when it comes to perfection. And we get so caught up on the thought that being a good person and living a good life that we forget just how strong the grace of God is. Because we catch ourselves trying to balance. I've got a little more goodness over here, a little more badness over here, and we're hoping that these scales will even out or out a little more on the good side. That's not, that's not how it works. That's not what God is like. Because the truth is, you're, you're not on a tightrope trying to, trying to balance and hope you don't fall. And you don't need to hope that you have enough goodness to keep you balanced and heading to heaven. You are on the straight and narrow path. It is firm, solid ground. It does not suddenly disappear just because you mess up. You may fall in the dirt and get dirty, but you've landed on solid ground. 
get back up. Choosing God over this world and the desires of our flesh, following his word, that puts us right where we need to be without a balancing act of hoping enough good compared to my bad. When we do mess up, we don't need to fear the judgment of God and being labeled as unredeemable. He is our father and is much more interested in helping us to get back up again than he is in condemning us. Hebrews 4, 15, and 16 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I used to wonder, you know, how could Jesus be tempted by the same things I am? It's, it's not saying he was tempted by all the same things. But in every way that he could be tempted, he was. Just like we are tempted in everything that could possibly tempt us, so it was for Jesus. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And you know, in those scriptures and any others, I don't see anything telling you you have to be good enough or have a certain level of goodness. It just says to come boldly unto the throne of grace because Jesus understands. He knows what it's like to feel the temptations. No, he didn't sin, but he has compassion and understanding on a personal level to know what it is we're feeling and what we're going through. We don't need to focus so much on being good or holy enough. And we don't need to walk on eggshells around God. Because especially, especially after we sin, especially if it's one of those reoccurring sins, we do it, we know there's grace and there's mercy, but there's still the way we feel, the dirtiness, the weight on it. And you almost feel like you're either on tiptoes around God trying to be good enough or just backing away. Like, I just, I just, I just can't, I don't. I'm not good enough. I can't. What's that song, that line that says, uh, I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to you, so would you please come down to me? That's a real cry that he will answer because he knows what you feel. He knows you don't feel like you can reach up to him, but he can certainly reach down to us. We can lean really heavily upon the grace of God because his grace will help us as we walk the straight and narrow path. Now, there is still the standard set in God's word that we have to live up to. And it's a high standard. We are called to aim for the mark of perfection. It's higher than we can achieve. But if you set a higher, higher, much higher goal than you believe is possible, you're going to achieve more than if you set a goal you thought was possible. Because if you, if you think you can only do 15 push-ups, but someone says, I want you to drop and do 100 right now, you're probably not going to get 100, but you may end up somewhere like 44 when you thought you could only do 15 because you could do so much more than what you thought you could do. So aim for that mark of perfection. You, we're going to end up going so much further in God than if he set it to good enough. And you know, as high as the mark is, his patience, grace, understanding, and love for us is greater than we tend to give it credit for. 
Our relationship with God is not about balancing our good deeds against our bad ones. It's about just choosing him over and over again and maturing in his grace and maturing in the walk with him. You can put your fears to rest and stop fearing that you won't be able to balance out the scales when you stand before God. The blood of Jesus has already done that work. And there is no more works that we need to do to earn that salvation and grace. I haven't said all that to say that we don't need to worry about any type of work at all as Christians. We just don't have to worry, worry about working to earn salvation or his good favor or his love. There's no balancing act there. There's no being enough because you already are enough. It's a gift he's already offered. And you are enough to take it right where you are. But we can't just say we believe in God and call it good. We can't just stop there either. We still have to believe. Everything else is pointless if you don't believe in God. But we also we have to love others. You don't have to like someone, but you do have to love them. Treat people with respect, how you want to be treated. Always wish the best for them. We have to love them. We have to repent of our sins. We've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've got to give to the needy. We've got to live modestly and holy. Visit the fatherless. We've got to pray. We've got to fast. We've got to care for the sick. Go to church. Avoid sins, temptations. We still need to obey the word of God and rise up to his calling. We have to have those good works. But it isn't to balance out the scales and outweigh our sin. Because his grace has done that. It's not our works that save us. It is the work of Jesus on the cross. Bearing the burden of our sin that does that balance. But yes, works are still crucial to being a Christian. So don't, don't write off works. <laughs> And say like, ah, I can just believe and I'll be fine. So please don't get me wrong. Even though we are saved by faith because of his work, living by faith will have us producing good works because you cannot have faith and not have works with it. James 2, 17 and 18 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Shew me thy faith without thy works, and I will shew, you, shew thee my faith by my works. It's a natural law of godliness, so to speak. Good deeds will follow and stem from your faith. Just like apples are going to come from an apple tree. In fact, if you have no works at all in Christ, no works at all, you don't actually have faith. Faith prompts us to take action and do something. Because faith is alive. It moves. It grows. It brings us up. An apple tree that never bears fruit might as well be cut down because it's not producing what it's known for and you might as well just call it any other tree. 
True faith will always have works following it because when you truly believe in God, you cannot help but desire to see his kingdom grow and see his will happen in your life and the life of those around you. You can have light and you can have heat without a fire. Just look right there. You have light and heat, but you have no fire. But you're not going to have a fire without it giving light and heat. You can do works and not have faith. Because you can be kind without believing in God. You can just do godly things by happenstance because you're good-natured and not have, have, have any faith at all in God. But you're not going to have faith without works. It's like someone saying, I believe I can run a marathon compared to someone who actually runs a marathon, Brother James. <laughs> the non-runner has a dead faith. That is not faith. They can say it all they want. They can say they believe it. They've got no works with it. They've got no proof. It's void. It's dead. But the runner has a living and active faith that also influences others to start running too. Works, they are a very important and a clear evidence of faith. But it isn't our works and goodness that save us. Our goodness, our works, isn't what makes us measure up to be able to enter those, those gates, to enter heaven. We don't need to mentally and emotionally wear ourselves down with the worry and fear of balancing goodness against sin. The work of Christ has already paid the needed price. We have a life full of many years, hopefully. And we have to stop living that life, all those years, all those days, in fear that we aren't doing enough to make it home. We are children of the King. Choosing him over this world. Living and walking by faith. We repented of our sins. We took on his name in baptism. We've been filled with his spirit. He's not holding a set of scales to see how we measure up. Because you know, almost every afterlife I've, I've heard of or read about in history of any other religion, it's almost always scales. Look at the Egyptians, and it's literally a feather of truth on a scale. You put your heart on it. It either balances and you make it, or it doesn't, and you get devoured. Think of the Greek afterlife. They have to stand before three judges, and their good deeds have to be more than their either their non-deeds or their bad deeds. And most, most religions are like that. I think that's because we have always, just as humanity, missed the point of, what, of who God is and what he's calling us to. Because unlike the others where it's holding a scale, he's just holding his arms wide open. He does have a high calling, but it's free. You're not having to fight to earn your way with goodness. You're just coming right as you are in this very moment. So it's not a balancing act. It's a choice. It's a journey. It's faith. 
knowing that he has already done the work, we just faithfully put one foot in front of the other and we leave those scales behind us. We leave that fear behind, saying that we're not going to measure up. Perfect love casts out fear. And God, he, I tell, I tell the kids in class, God doesn't love. He is love. The definition of everything we know about love, that is exactly who God is. When we find ourselves afraid of not being good enough, that fear, remember the love of God and let that love that's already there, that we didn't have to fight for, we didn't have to earn, we were born, and that's all it took. Let that love outweigh your doubts and fear of not measuring up because you can rest in his grace. And our musicians can come as I do these last couple of thoughts here. And I like this thought. I've thought it a few times over the years. Just something I was doing in prayer. Uh, the first part should sound really familiar. Sin will take us further than we wanted to go. It keeps us longer than we wanted to stay. And it costs us more than we could ever hope to pay. But maybe instead of focusing so much on that, we could flip it around. And instead focus on letting God take us further than we ever thought possible. Because a sin is going to do those things. But we're trying to live for God. Why not let God do this instead? So let God take us further than we ever thought possible. Keep us in his presence longer than before. And use us in ways that we could never do ourselves. If we could stop focusing so much on hoping our sin doesn't outweigh our righteousness. And instead focus on just growing in God. All fears and stress of the rapture or death would fade away. God's grace has already got rid of the scales. We need to stop bringing them back up. No matter how we feel. We need to put that aside. Because we don't have to perform a balancing act here. We just got to choose him. And walk in the victory he has already given us. So when the fear comes in again. When you feel those scales. Or feel like you're on eggshells. Remember that love. That love that was there just because you are you. Handmade by God. Put those scales aside. And as, as Brother Mason plays the song of worship, you can come to the altar, but I'm asking, let's just worship God. Let's just remember his grace and his love because it's greater than our failings. You can let go of your guilt. You can let go of the fear and the worry. And you can rest in Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC.
Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you, and have a blessed day.